listening to this sermon podcast for Real Life Church Pullman. We exist to help people know and become like Jesus. Just a little insight into me and my preparation. Uh, God has always made it relatively easy for me to know what to say. Um, when I think about and I pray about what I'm supposed to preach on and the topic that I'm given or the passage that I'm given, it, it usually comes pretty simple to me, the things that God wants to say, and I hear them all. But the hard part often is organizing them and making them all fit in something that's cohesive and makes sense and all pulls together. And that's something that uh, usually takes some time. And um, God's pretty good about helping me figure that out. Uh, but not this week. <laughs> I spent I, I spent a good six hours in this room uh, yesterday just like, okay, God, I know what you want me to say, but I don't know how it all fits together. So if you walk away from this sermon going... Uh, like, wow, I, I don't, I, those were a lot of great points, but I don't really know how it all goes together. Well, me too. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that being said, let's pray. Hey God, um, this is your time. And I thank you Lord for trusting me to, to take it and try to speak on your behalf. Um, so I pray Lord that you can meet, meet us in this time, speak to our hearts Pray, Lord, that uh, everyone can walk away with what you want them to hear and what you want them to know, and that we can all work and grow and uh, fall more in love with you. Uh, just thank you so much for uh, this opportunity, this time that we have. We give it over to you. It's yours. Um, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. This, this week I got an opportunity uh, to do something that uh, I both loved and hated. Uh, it was, it's, it's Jesus' time. Some of you guys know Jesus' time. The part of it that I love, I love to teach the Bible. It's one of my favorite things to do. And I, you know, waking up and just opening the Bible and talking about it is, that's awesome. That's a great way to start the day. Um, I don't really like waking up early. Uh, so that's not, it's not one of my spiritual gifts at all. Um, but I was willing to do it. I told Matt that I'd do it for a week and, you know, I did it for a week and it was really good. And, and this week we happened to be, they had been, uh, in the Jesus time, they happened to be going through, uh, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 through 7, actually 5 through 9 for the whole week. But the Sermon on the Mount's been coming up. Have you ever had God do this to you where you hear something over and over and over again? And you start thinking, okay, maybe God's trying to get something through to me that I need to be listening to. And after like the fifth time, that's usually when I'm starting like, oh, now I get it. Thanks. Um, so sorry for anyone that tries to tell me stuff. It usually takes a few times. Uh, but God, God's been bringing back the Sermon on the Mount over and over again. Uh, and because I was covering it this week, it was just everything that I kept thinking about. So uh, we're doing this series called Unbury Your Bullseye. And the idea of it is to reorganize and reprioritize what's most important and essential in our faith and make sure that our lives are fitting accordingly, that what we say is essential is what we talk about the most, what we think about the most, and everything we do revolves around it. And then the stuff that flows out from that, and making sure that we're following in line with what we say we're all about. And uh, something that kind of sparked as I was doing Jesus' time this week, uh, something that kind of fell in line with that was found in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Uh, so it'll be on the screen or in your notes. You can follow along there. Jesus uh, said this, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad, is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. 
It struck me as peculiar that Jesus would say this in his sermon, that he would say in the one sermon that we have recorded that he preached, why would he say something like this? Like, it seems most of the time, and even in this sermon, he mentions it, that he's trying to be inclusive, try to get as many people as he possibly can to go into the kingdom of heaven, to share in his family, and everyone can take part in that. And that's his goal. I mean, that's why he came down to die, so he wants to include people. So why would he say that it's narrow and it's difficult and that people, most often people won't find it and people will miss? Well, as I started wrestling with it and recognizing it, I realized that it never says that it's a tricky gate. never said that it's like this high jump that you have to get over. It never said that there was like certain requirements or anything like that. It just said that it's a gate. That's it. It's only a gate. It's kind of like there's a door right there. I can walk and walk through that door. You could say it's narrow because I've got all this direction to walk, and I can walk any way, and that's not that door. I can walk that way. I can stay where I'm at and not go through that door. But if I want to walk through that door, there's only one way, walking through the door. It's not especially challenging. It's not super tricky. It's not, it's not supposed to trip me up or anything like that. It's just a choice that I have to make, that if I want to walk through that door, I stay focused on that door and I walk through it. And that's what I think that this, these gates represent. It's not so much that Jesus is saying he doesn't want people to go through it. He's telling everyone that wants to go through this gate, they can. But the reality is there's a lot of ways not to go through that gate. There's a lot of ways to miss it and to choose somewhere else. And as I began to dwell on that more and more and think about that, uh, I started to realize, well, it should be relatively simple for us. Those of us who know what's on the other side of that gate. Those of us who, knows, who know who's opening the door for us. Those of us who know Jesus and know what's waiting for us on the other side should be simple enough for us to stay focused and want to walk through that gate. That should be everything to us. What we believe and what we hope for. Eternity with God in heaven and, and, and the freedom and the peace and the, the comfort that we can have there. We, we should be chasing after that. We should be running full sprint to get there. We, we shouldn't be easily distracted. But is it that simple? Over the last couple of years, and I'm including myself in all of this, I've seen Christians and the church in general be a whole lot more distracted than I would have thought. Over the last couple of years, I've, I've seen Christians and people that believe what we believe a whole lot more ready to share their thoughts and opinions about politics or corona than they were about their faith. Over the last couple of years, I've seen Christians, people that believe in Jesus and the Bible, respecting and revering the words of Dr. Fauci or Donald Trump more than the Bible. I've, I've seen people be bold, relentless, passionate. If only it was about stuff that we say is essential. And not personal. I've seen people and the church in general seem to care a whole lot more about whether people agree with our opinions about current events than they do about sharing our faith in Christ. And again, I'm, I'm one of these people. I'm in this. I'm literally paid to talk about Jesus. Over the last couple of years, I think I've talked more about Corona than Christ. And maybe you're in this group. Maybe you're with me. And maybe it's not so hard to get us off track. 
Maybe it is important for us to reassess our priorities and focus on what's most important so we don't miss the mark. And that's what we're here to do. That's what we're here to talk about. Because, not only for our own sake, but if, if we're not going to make it, we who know what's waiting for us on the other side of that narrow gate, if we're not going to make it, what hope is there for everyone else? The people who don't know yet. They got to know from us, and if we're off track, then there's no hope for them. So that's what we're doing in this series. That's what this whole thing's about, is unpacking what we believe and making sure that we know what is most essential and making sure that our lives are reflecting that. Making sure that the conversations that we have, the, the time we're spending thinking and talking about all this different stuff, making sure the majority of, majority of it is spent on what's most important and essential to our faith. And so that's what we talked about last week. That uh, shared with all of you what the essentials are. I wrote them down in your notes again if you wanted to take a look at them. And if you want more details on those, if you want to know more about like what we believe and what we're all about here at this church, who we are and, and what we want to do, go to 101. That's what it's all about. We'll even give you free lunch. Like that, that's, that's awesome. Um, but you get to come and you get to learn and, and see if this is where you want to be, if this is a good fit for you so that you can go and uh, be on board with us. We don't want to hide anything from anybody. That doesn't do any good. We want to be upfront about where, what we're doing and what we're about. And we want you to be on board with that. And if you're not, here's the crazy thing. We'll help you find a place that you feel more comfortable. Like that's, I think that's generally what we want to do. We want to make sure that everyone is committed to serving Christ. And if this isn't the place for that, then we want you to know that and we'll help you find it. Hopefully, hopefully you agree with us and are ready to jump in and help us lead people to Jesus. And another thing that I hope that you did last week as you were thinking about the essentials, and if you haven't, spent some time this week thinking about it, but wrestle with those things. And, and for me, I, I added a few. There's a few things that I think are essential to me and personal in my faith that I'm like, you know what? This is essential for me to continue believing what I believe. Stuff like God's good. God is good. That's, in, that's essential to me. That he loves me. That's essential. That that love is unconditional. And that he has a good plan. May not be the one I want, but it's a good plan, and I believe that, and that's essential to me. And then we have the next circle out. This one we're talking about today is called the important circle, and it's just stuff that comes into, like, that's vital and health to a healthy, growing relationship with God. So these things aren't necessarily essential. They're not the things that are contingent upon salvation or your relationship with God or being restored by him and redeemed by Christ. No, these things don't necessarily aren't necessarily required for that, but they are a, in a very important part of your relationship with God and stuff that you need to do. I, uh, I've been calling this like the middle child sermon because like this is the stuff that doesn't fit anywhere else, you know, like the stuff that, you know, doesn't fit in the essentials and the stuff that doesn't fit in the personal. And we like talking about the essentials because they are essential. And we like talking about the personal stuff because it's what's significant to us. But everything else we just throw in this important category. So, but it's an important thing, and that's why we're going to spend a lot of time talking about it. And the, uh, the last circle, the outer circle, is stuff that's significant to you, but not necessarily essential or important to our faith. A good example of this is like um, rock music as a style of worship. I, 
<laughs> coming from the Baptist churches that I'm from, uh, I wasn't too far removed from the huge debates of whether or not it was acceptable to worship God with an electric guitar and drum set. Like that, that was, there was a lot of people that were like, you throw out this organ, I'm leaving because you're heathens. Like that's, that's what this is all about. And it got to that point where people were like, yeah, if, if you have a drum set and an electric guitar, some of you guys might remember this, those people are going to hell. Like that, that was an essential thing that they were like, all right, it is so important how you worship. But I would say that that's actually a personal thing. I think it's important that you do worship. I think that that's at least in the important category, probably closer to the essential side. But the form of your worship, how you're doing it, that I think is personal. I think if you like this style of music, then you like that. And that's cool. If you like an organ and hymn, I like hymns. That's one of my favorites. I like to, I've memorized several hymns and I like to sing them. We got some good acoustics out there when nobody's around. Um, I, I know I have a friend of mine that loves heavy metal worship. That's his style. And I was like, all right, if that's what gets you closer to Christ, then sweet. Because it's a personal thing. And it's important that we keep that as in the personal tier and we don't let that become an essential thing because otherwise we'll be telling people they're going to hell over something that really doesn't matter that much. It's just personal. So like I said, I kind of struggled formulating my thoughts on this and not really sure because God was telling me a lot of stuff that he wanted me to say and I was like, I don't, how does that, okay, sure. (laughs) So here I am to tell you, but as I was struggling with it, I, I really wanted to talk with people and pray about it. And I started to realize that there was a kind of a pattern to kind of help us sort through these things. And it's, I think it's important that you sort through them on your own, that I, I can tell you things that I think are essential. I can tell you things that I think are important, but it's important that you do this on your own because you're the one that deals with you and you're the one that like walks through your life. So for you in your personal faith with God, you're going to need to sort through this stuff on your own. To help you, one of the things that I started to recognize is that the essential category fit a lot of the reasons we believe what we believe. In the, set, in the essential category, it, it fits all this stuff that says, I believe in God because he exists, and I believe in God because he loves me, and I believe in God because he, sent, he created me and he sent his son down to die for me, and I believe in God because, because of that sacrifice, I can have eternity with him, and I can be redeemed from my sin. Those are the essentials, and they're what we come back to. In this category, it's important to us to formulate everything that we do and all of our our faith should be based around these essentials. And if we start to formulate our faith and our life off things that are important or more often personal, then we're going to come to moments in our faith where we doubt or someone says something different, or we realize that what we really cared about and what we argued all the time, it actually isn't necessary. It's not essential. And then you doubt your faith. You may even lose it. You get off the mark. You take your eyes off the, the narrow gate. And it's all because you were focused on something personal. When I'm, as a youth pastor, uh, I make sure that as I'm helping students grow in their faith, usually they're relatively immature in the beginning. Although you'd be surprised. Sometimes they're pretty mature. As I talk with them, sometimes I hear the reasons why they believe in God and reasons why they go to church and reasons why they want to serve him with the rest of their life. And a lot of times I hear stuff that I think, oh, you know what? That's kind of just a personal thing. 
And it's not that in that moment I'm like, you're wrong, you're stupid. No, I don't do that most of the time. But I, I, I usually try to help them, encourage them to move towards something that's essential. Because I know that when push comes to shove, as soon as they're out of high school and they're moving on with their life, they're going to walk into a time where they doubt, where they're insecure, where they fail. And I know for me, the things that I cling to, the things that I've built my life around, what has saved me in those times and what keeps me walking the direction I'm supposed to go is the essentials. And that I built my life there. And that I keep my focus there. So it's, it's, it's crucially important that we all know what we really believe and what's most important to us and that we have that ingrained in our minds and that we talk about it all the time. The next category, as I started to talk about what was important, I recognized that what fit in this category most, not always, but most, was our character and who we're becoming with Christ. What God is calling, not, not the things necessarily that God is calling us to, but the person he's calling us to be. And I'll explain more about that as we go along. And then the final category, just to, again, help you sort through your own thoughts and your own feelings. The personal side is a lot of what we do and how we do it. That's, and honestly, when you think about all the arguments and division and discussions, that's where we talk about most. That's where most of our, our focus is, is what do we do and how do we do it? This thing or that thing, this type of music or that type of music, this event or that event how we do this or how we do that. And honestly, we spend way more time there than we probably should. And if we as a church want to be most effective in reaching our community, then we'll be focused on what's actually most important, the essentials. Now, this isn't a, a perfect rule because there are some things that I think that we do that don't fall into the personal side, like baptism. I think baptism is like right on that border of important and uh, essential. Like, I personally, I, I think it's, it's super, like, I want to say essential, but I know that there's people that on either side will say, oh, but this or that. Uh, like, the thief on the cross wasn't baptized, but Jesus said he'll be in heaven. So it's like, well, I don't know, you know. But maybe, you know, if you're hanging on a cross, you get, you get an out. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's, that's the one exception to the rule. I've always thought about it like uh, marriage. You know, if you're going to marry someone, commit you the rest of your life, what do you do? You have a ceremony. And you publicly declare that you're going to be with this person the rest of your life. So if you're, if you're willing to do that for someone you love, then why wouldn't you be willing to do it for Jesus? Um, but that, that's something that I, I think goes into a different side. Um, communion, like we're going to do later today, is another one that is not just a personal thing. It's an, at least an important thing, if not an essential thing. So back to the important what we're talking about today is, is who we're becoming in Christ. And most of this category is filled up with this. And that was what God kept instilling upon me that this is what this is all about and what I'm supposed to talk about today. And I'm particularly passionate about it because I've got it wrong for a really long time. I, I've messed this up. I grew up uh, hearing the passages of, and hearing and reading the passages about how, like, Paul had to enslave his body and his flesh, and how the heart is deceitful and the flesh is weak. And I, I was told after lesson after lesson that, like, what you want to do is bad, and what you don't want to do is good, and, like, you should pursue the stuff that God's telling you to do, and it's gonna, there's gonna be suffering because Jesus said following after him is gonna be hard and difficult. And I, I learned all these things, and I formed this notion in my mind that, Everything that I wanted 
was evil. And everything I didn't want to do, that was good. That was sacrificial, selfless. And so that's how I lived my life. That was my early relationship with God. That's what I started to recognize. And so when it came to choices in my life, I said to myself, which one makes me more miserable? That's the right one. And he, I mean, you laugh, but that's literally what it is. I have a, a good friend of mine that would be sitting here shaking his head because he argued with me all the time. Like, why do you keep doing this to yourself? Like, that's not a good. My sister at one point called me out for being a masochist because like, that's, I was just continuing to choose this path because I thought that was the right thing to do. I eventually had to unlearn this stuff because I started to see the problems in it. One, I wasn't a very good witness for Christ. Nobody wants to hang out with Eeyore that much, you know, except Winnie the Pooh. You know, like that's, I'm sorry if you're one of those people, but like that's, that's one of those things that I wasn't actually witnessing for Christ very well because I was miserable all the time. Like, who's going to be like, oh, look at that guy. He's having a terrible life. I want to be more like him. Like, that's not, that's not right. I began to resent God. I didn't really like that he wanted me to live a life I didn't want to live. And I didn't like that that was my, like, oh, yeah, I get to go to heaven, but I have to go through hell first. Like, that, is this right? And didn't really seem to fit with me, with what I had learned about God's character, who he was, what he did, and how he cared about me. This didn't really line up. And also, I started to think about stuff, especially as I grew and mature, I started to realize there were things I wanted to do that were good. I just naturally wanted to do good things. I was raised by a good family, and they taught me good things, and there were some things that I selfishly wanted to do that I think were genuinely a good thing. I, they were just, they were helpful. They were productive. And to this day, like as I've grown in my relationship with God, that increases. Or the majority of the things that I want to do are actually good things to do. And so it didn't fit. This rule had to break at some point and I had to move on from it. And that's why I think it's important for us to talk about who we're supposed to become and how that impacts our relationship with God. For that, we're going to start, we're going to look at the beginning of that Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5 of Matthew And we're going to read uh, verse 13 through 16. Before I do that, I just want you to understand how epic this is. Like, I I talked about it in Jesus' time, but I I still can't get over how cool this is. Like, the best I could do as a preacher is speak on the behalf of God and let God speak through me, and that's the best I can do. This is God that literally coming down to earth and preaching. This is a message that he could have been preparing for eternity. All the things that he's been wanting to say to humanity, the way he wants to say them, without having to go through a human intermediate person, he goes down in the form of Jesus and says himself, this is God's sermon. And there, like any good sermon, there's a running theme, and and it starts with this thesis that we find in Matthew 13 through 16. Says this, you are salt of the earth, but if salt, if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So he gives us these two examples of these two things, salt and light. 
two things that can't be replaced or substituted. They are what they are, and there's no, there's no replacing that. Two things that, by their character, do their job. Salt is salty. I know, mind blown, right? Light lights up stuff. That's what it does. That's its character. That's what it was created to do, and it does it. It has to do it. It flows out from it naturally. That salt is salty, and light lights. That's it. And that's the thesis statement for this sermon. And as he goes on, he begins to explain how the people that he's talking to, the Jews, these are the, these are the salt, of, this is the salt of the earth, the light of the world. He's explaining to them, you're my people, but you're getting this wrong. You're doing stuff and thinking that it's all about what you do, but there's a deeper level than that. I'm much more concerned with who you are. Because if you live out your created purpose, and if you become the person that I've called you to be, if you have the character that I want you to have, you will do what you are supposed to do naturally. You'll be able to walk the earth and fulfill my will without even having to force yourself. Because it'll come out of you naturally, just like light comes out of light and salt comes out of salt. That's what they do, and that's what you will do if you become the person I wanted you to do, or want you to be. And so that's what the whole Sermon on the Mount is. And he, he goes over all the different things that they're doing wrong, like murder, like don't murder. You know this. I'm surprised, but most people don't murder people. Like that's not enough. Like that's not enough to set you apart. Salt stands out because nothing else is salt. Light stands out because nothing else is light. You can take different forms of it, but nothing else is light. Light itself is light. And if you want to be irreplaceable, then you can't just be someone that doesn't murder. You have to be somebody that learns to not even think those thoughts, not even be angry towards another person, to learn to be patient, kind, and forgiving. That's something that stands out. That's something that gives the world a little bit of flavor. You don't commit adultery. You, you know this. That happens a little more often in the world, sadly. But it's not enough to just not do that. You have to be the type of person that respects and honors the people around you. That realizes that, you know what, these people are created by God in his image. And they're children of God. And I respect and honor them just on the basis of who they are. And I don't see what I want to see I see what God sees. That's the type of person you want to be. You want to be the light of the world? That's the type of person you be. And then he goes on and on ex- using others, ex- other examples of how they're doing the right things, but not with the right heart, not with the right character. And they're missing the point on the deeper level that it's about who they are, not what they do. And that's what Jesus wants them, that, that God came to earth to, ex- to share this message. I'd say it's pretty important. Pretty important for us to understand. It was pretty important for me to understand. That my goal was to continue to do the right things, even if it meant I was miserable. And God said, that's not good enough. I don't, I don't want that life for you. I don't want you to be miserable. I want you to learn to understand why I told you to do those things in the first place. And I want you to do them because you want to do them. And I'm going to help you work on that. And thank God he's patient. Because it took me a long time to start to figure that out. 
That's what I eventually learned. God, God didn't want me to be miserable. He just wanted me to find my joy and my happiness in him and his kingdom and what was essential and to develop my character out of that to make me a person that wanted to do good things. And so as my life has progressed and the Holy Spirit has worked in my heart, writing the law on it, I started to recognize that more and more, I I just naturally wanted to be a good person. And some things more than others. Like there's still things I struggle with. I'm not gonna lie to you. There's still things that I feel like I have to do that I don't necessarily wanna do, like talk to people. I'm just kidding, (laughs) mostly. Um, I... uh, There's some things I love to do, though. There's some things that are so easy and natural for me. I love to encourage. I absolutely absolutely love to encourage. It's just one of my favorite things. I know because I need it. I'm words of affirmation guy. Hint, hint. So I I love to do it because I know I need it, and I feel like there's not enough of it, so I'll, I'll share. I like to be generous to a fault. Ask my wife. It's, it's, a, it's kind of a problem. I need to, you know, reel it in sometimes, but I got it from my mom and she's too generous too. But I love to do these things. God has taught me and helped me and shown me that I have a created purpose. And now when I do good things, a lot of the stuff that God's called me to do, I find it absolute joy. I find it fulfilling and, and life-giving. It's awesome. It's great. And that's what I recognized was what this whole middle circle is all about. It's us becoming the people God wants us to become, not just for our own sake, because yes, it is super important for you to do that because a sustainable relationship with God is one that you're learning to become more like him and want to do the things that he's calling you to. But also, it's a whole lot more effective to share the word of God when you're excited about it. When you're happy about it, it's a lot easier for me to invite you to to this relationship with God when I'm going to tell you that it doesn't mean for the rest of your life you have to do what you don't want to do. It doesn't mean that. God doesn't want you to be miserable. He wants you to be faithful. He wants your life to be built around him and for you to find your joy in him. Jesus ends uh, this sermon uh, in, in a really cool way. He talks about a parable of wise and foolish builders. I'm sure you've heard it before, and you could look it up. Uh, I think I put it in your notes, but the essence of it is that there are two guys that build their houses. One builds it on the sand, and one builds it on the rock. And, and these are two different locations, too. The sand would have been located at the bottom of a getty, which is like, you know, there's like a flat cliff face, and then on top is rock, and underneath is sand, because all the waters rush down, and... and Yeah, you get all the erosion, which is the sand. So on the bottom is sand. Now, it's easy to build there. Why? Because it's sand. It's easy to dig out sand. It's easy to to put down uh, deep footings in sand. It's easy to bring all your materials because it's flat, and it's easy to get there. It's easy to build there, and it's fast. But when rains come down, guess where it goes? Right there. And your house is destroyed. What's not easy is taking all the materials you need to build that thing, your house, is up, taking them up a cliff and then building it up there. That takes time. You have to go get your materials and bring them up and you have to chisel out of rock to get your foundation set and you have to, to do all this stuff that's a lot harder and takes a lot more time. But when the storms come, it lasts. And this is... Why something that I love that he ends this sermon on, that he's been talking about how 
What he really cares about is you to build up your character that you will naturally perform the will of God because of who you are and who he created you to be. And it takes time. It takes a long time. The road to that narrow gate isn't hard to get to. It's just, it's a long one. And you just got to stay focused and keep walking it. You can't take the shortcuts. They don't work. You can't get distracted. You got to stay focused on where you're going. And you just step by step walk there. And slowly that character builds up. The Holy Spirit's patient with you and you need to be patient with yourself. And every once in a while, give yourself a little grace because it's going to take time for you to develop the, king, the character of the kingdom of God. But if you stick with it and you keep working at it, eventually you'll be like me where you find joy in doing what God has called you to do. And so that's what we're all about. That's what, that's what we're trying to do here. And that's what I see in this middle circle is, is the character of the kingdom and who we're supposed to become for God and, and how we can best serve him and, and how we can be the salts of the earth and light of the world. So I, on your notes, I left... Uh, on the second page, I left a huge circle that just says the important circle. And I wanted you to fill that in on your own. Like I said, I could sit here and tell you all the things that I think are important, the, character, the characteristics of the kingdom that I think you should develop. But I think it's a far more effective for you to write them in yourself, to figure it out yourself. Remember, take the time. This is going to be years and years, decades of your life. So take the time to write what is most important what you found from reading scripture, what you found in other people. You might've come across somebody that made a difference in your life. Why? Because of some character that they had that you really admired. Write these things down, the things that you feel like God is saying to you that this is important. I I wrote one passage in there to get you started. That has some characteristics of who you shouldn't be and who you should be. That's a good place to start. But I want you to do this. I want you to be thinking about this because these are the things that we should be talking about. These are the things that keep us focused as a community on what's most important. If we as Christians believe that that narrow gate is where we're supposed to head and, and we believe what's on the other side and we want everyone to join in with us, then we have to be focused on it and we have to be talking about it and we have to be working through that and not so fixated on all the personal stuff that we want to talk about. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by going to rlcpullman.com or by following us on Facebook or YouTube. Until next time, have a great week.